Thank you for listening to the Folk Podcast. If you would like to become more involved with the Wisdom of Odin community, please think about donating to Patreon. At the lowest tier, you gain access to our community Discord. Uh, the next tier, you gain access to live streams. And of course, at the final tier, you gain early access videos, as well as your name in the end credits for all Wisdom of Odin videos. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for whatever support you're able to provide. Hello, my name is Jacob. And I am a Norse pagan, and welcome to episode 44 of the Folk Podcast. I hope you can hear those crows because they are really loud and I'm not closing the door. These are German crows. You know what they say? Nine. Over and over again. You can't unhear it once you hear it. They are very angry. They, I mean, they are old, let me tell you. But that's not why we're here. We're not here to talk about crows today. Today, we're here to talk about Frere and Thor. Now, the reason we want to talk about this and have kind of like a roundtable discussion about it is that there's kind of multiple layers of this topic. Frere and Thor are two deities we know that were definitely venerated and honored during the pre-Christian Scandinavian and Germanic times. And so they're, you know, ones that we can definitely rely on as far as like, we can say definitively, yes, you can worship them as gods. Whereas there's other deities within this faith that we can't say, like even Loki, we're like, we really don't know that people worshiped him. It's people do it now, but we don't really know anything of the past. And then there's deities like Skadi, you know, who was a Jotun, who we know was worshipped in the past. And yet, you know, most Jotun, we don't know if you can worship them at all. So there's definitely this complicated, you know, relationship we have with the gods and the beings of this faith, um, because there isn't a lot of information we know about the historical practice of honoring and venerating these gods. But Frere and Thor are two of those deities we know for certain you can venerate. Um, so another reason we want to bring this topic up is because we, we as a group have all noticed that people getting into this faith for the first time really want to dive down those deeper subjects um, as far as like, you know, they want to be like, oh, I want to worship Mimir. And it's like, oh, well, how long have you been in the faith? And they're like, I don't know, like a week. And it's like, maybe you should like ease into it. So I think Frere and Thor are definitely more the deities that you can ease into the faith, so to speak, rather than diving into the deep end. Um, so just to kind of open it up, do you guys have any thoughts you had when I first uh, mentioned myself, this like this episode idea, anything that came to your guys' heads? Yeah, I think like instinctively, it's it's a good uh, first step. I already know the staircase thing is about to come after me saying that. But a good uh, first step, you say. <laughs> no, like it, it is, it is a really good first step that one of those two, because like you were saying, there is so much more information out there about, you know, essentially how they were worshipped, obviously clear-cut signs of people worshiping, and just the overall ideas and and topics that they were worshipped for, whether it be fertility, good harvest, um you know, being a good husband, getting, being a good keeper of the home and stuff like that. So overall, a lot of those things can carry over, you know, into, you know, modern day living as we do now, you know, maybe not so much a farming aspect of it, if, unless you are a farmer or you are growing crops, but I feel like there's, there's aspects of both of those deities that are overlooked. And a lot of people focus on you know, like with Thor, for example, a lot of people focus on him being, you know, the strongest, you know, a fighter, you know, that a, a warrior, you know, I feel like a lot of people really just overdo that to a degree. And there's, you know, a lot more to him than just that. Um, you know, and with Frere, it's, I feel like a lot of people focus too much on just the male fertility aspect of it when he's more than just that as well. So, I think they are, I almost feel like they, the people in the modern era have kind of focus on one aspect of them too much and it's kind of left the other things un, untouched and unpracticed. I definitely agree with you on like people focusing too much on one aspect of them. Um, just, I guess, for instance, with prayer, everybody looks at the, everybody think like before you really start to work with them, like uh, I know even I thought that he was just like, Trying to think, I'm trying to think of the word I can say without Jacob having to edit, because I don't want him to have to do extra. Work. Let's just say the phallus was very important. Yes, that. Well, yeah, everybody thinks of him as like the. Uh, oh yeah, that's what it was. Like Parker always says that everybody looks at him like he's just like the party guy. 
Like all he all his job is to do is just to screw and to make kids, and that's it. But he part of the reason we have a lot of evidence that him and Thor both were worshipped is because the you know the majority of people back then were all farmers, and both of them had had to do with well, both of them had to do in part with like fertility of the land and of children as well. Um, okay, losing my train of thought. Right, so return to the phallus. Think about the phallus. The Just phallus. Think about the big phallus that is Freya. The phallus. And get back on track. I thought we were talking about uh, Freya, not Pan, but I mean. <laughs> yeah, same uh, but, uh, seriously, though, uh, getting back on topic, though, with like Thor, it he does seem to typically be casted as, oh, he's just the strongest one of the god or like the honorable fights and stuff like that. People forget he was the god of the people. He was the god of the hearth. Like there's more to both of these gods that meets the eye. And it's real easy for beginners to overstep that. You know, they, they think, okay, well, and I hate to bring this up because I'm not a big fan of Marvel Thor, but they put a negative connotation on Thor uh, for, for that movie. You know, he, he's just like a big dumb brute in, in the movie. And that's nothing like what Thor is at all. Even if you read the uh, Havamal, or not Havamal, but the uh, Poetic Era, and you hear the story with, uh, what was the dwarf's name, Jacob? I can't think of it. Oh, um, Allwise, I think it is. Allwise, yeah. You know, it clearly shows that Thor is Odin's son. And that he knows things. He's very knowledgeable. He ex- he's an explorer. He's a wanderer, much like his father. Uh, but there's more to Thor that meets the eye. I haven't really worked with Frey all that much, but I know he's more than just a fertility god or like a god of gentle rains. Uh, but it's real easy to go with some of these uh, these two gods specifically and just typecast them like you would uh a movie for like Gandalf just being a wizard whenever he's kind of more and when you get deeper into the Lord of the Rings lore. I think that's kind of true of, I mean, it's true of people. I mean, you know, we're not even gods and yet we're so many different things. You know, I am both a YouTuber, a video game player, you know, a, a cook. I love, you know, restaurants. I love the restaurant business. I've worked in restaurants for many years. I've managed restaurants. I, you know, I love good food. I love a perfect really run restaurant. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a painter sometimes. I'm a drawler. I'm a writer. Um, and so it's like, even in our lives, we take on so many different aspects, you know, so to give, just give us one thing is a, is a, you know, disservice to ourselves for the complicated lives we all live. So the deities, you know, we always talk about how they remind us of, you know, humans, they, they seem so human. And that's the same way, a deal, you know, Frere is not just a fertility god. He is not just the god of the rain. Thor is not just the god of thunder. There are so many different aspects and so many aspects we don't even remember anymore um, because they are very human in, this, in a sense. And if anything, they're going to have more aspects because they're divine. And much older. You know, they've been on the earth or whatever plane you want to call this way longer than we have. So they're definitely going to be more to them. That meets the eye. Yeah, I think well, one thing that I think all people we all fall prey to at some point or another is that we all kind of judge a, judge a book by its cover. And one of the things that it's easy to notice about Freyr and hit like hit the idols of the past that have survived of him is they all do have the large phallus. So that's I think that's part of why everybody focuses him focuses on him. Take a shot. We said we said phallus again. Yeah, but yeah. We all we all pray victim or we all fall victim to you know judging a book by its cover when the gods are so much more than just what they appear on the outside. Well, and I think um, you know my last thought with that is um, I was going to bring up that we have just as much evidence for Thor being a fertility de- deity as we do for Freyr. Yeah, I, I think I think yeah again it goes back to that that concept of people focus on the one thing that is you know, seen more often in whether, even if it's archaeological evidence with Frere and, you know, even with Thor, you know, everybody immediately thinks Mjolnir, usually. If I, if I could literally ask probably anybody, even if they weren't necessarily a Norse pagan, and be like, hey, what's something that you can tell me about Thor? Immediately, obviously, people are going to think potentially, you know, Marvel Thor, and there go his hammer. Or Chris Hemsworth, maybe one of the other. I don't know. Either way, but, uh, but yeah, like that's the thing is that people have such a very narrow mindset when it comes to some of these deities, 
um, you know, and I feel like Thor and Prayer are probably two that are on that receiving end, I think maybe a little bit more than others. But I feel I feel like the biggest like the hardest part for a lot of people is moving past that. And that comes from either just, you know, kind of falling into that uh that train of thought like everybody else and just be like, all right, cool. Thor is if I need to prepare myself for battle or or you know, I want to be able to drink a lot, I'm gonna ask Thor for advice or ask Thor to guide me on this, you know what I mean? Or, you know, with prayer, if you want to have a lot of children make an offering to, uh, to prayer you know but if you don't do the research and you don't ex you know dive into each of these deities for more than what they they are on the surface you're just you're going to stay in that that negative well, not, i wouldn't say negative connotation or that negative thought trend but you're going to stay in that narrow uh thought of uh you're going to stay in the potatoes and you got to get to the meat is what you're trying to say <laughs> in a metaphorical sense. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll go with that. Go, go with, uh, that kind of comes back to my old preacher days, you know, because even the Bible tells you to try to delve deeper in your spirituality, even though people don't follow that. But if you look at Thor and Frey and think just the basic norm as everybody else, you're really going to miss out on a lot of opportunities with both of these deities to work with, to experience things with, and to grow. But to pull it back to one of the main reasons I wanted to have this episode, um, one of the things I think we all thought about is, you know, kind of what I mentioned in the very beginning is people getting into this path and not knowing what deity to follow. And I, I feel like there is this problem in the modern age. Um, you know, I think you even could call it the Loki dilemma as well. Um, but I think there is this, you know, everyone wants to follow the abnormal. You know, the, they don't want to go with the norm. I mean, we're already pagans. You're already following a taboo path. Um, and then they go further and they want to follow the deities no one else does. They're like, everyone follows Odin. Everyone follows Thor. Like, I want to worship sorry in Fenrir I want to worship Mimir I want to worship the Norns and they want to they want to skip the potatoes they want to skip the meat and they want to go to the next meal in the restaurant across the street that you have to have a special invite to get into and it's like whoa hold up now there's nothing wrong with meat and potatoes and I at the end of the day most people no matter how complex you are we're all just meat and potatoes people I'm a meat and potatoes guy Everyone here is meat and potatoes, you know, so there's no need to go across the street. Enjoy that first building. Enjoy the delicious, savory snacks that are in that building. And don't try to like sneak into the, don't try to sneak into that VIP room. Like I don't even want to go in there sometimes. And, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I do feel like, there, you know, as people that have been in this faith for a while, um, or at least, you know, have been talking about it for 43 episodes. I feel like we do have a responsibility to remind people that when you are getting into this faith for the first time, there is no need to rush into anything. We've said this a billion different times, a billion different ways. Um, but in Thor and Frey are just another ways of saying that because we know from like the one account we have from the Temple of Uppsala in Sweden um, is that they had three main deities, Thor, Odin, and Freyr were the three main deities venerated during those times. We know that Thor had many groves, sacred groves across Germany, across Scandinavia, um, really across the whole of Northern Europe. The idea of sacred groves, um, something I was reading today is even the Celtic Druids honored their gods, honored the sacred spaces as oak trees. Like they only selected oak trees as their places to worship the gods. And so this, I, this idea is so deep and, you know, you're already following a taboo path. Don't try to, you know, be the hipster of paganism. It's okay to, you know, it's okay to venerate Thor. It's okay to venerate Freyr. And I would even argue that it's more important to venerate those deities. I would agree with that, especially when it comes to Thor. Thor is real easy to connect with. Uh, he, to some people, he seems like a brother. To some, he, kind of a father figure. But he's he's the guy you can go to, and he'll give you advice when you need it. He's a drinking buddy if you want him as a drinking buddy. He's just an all-around jack of trades uh, when you're working with Thor. And he's an everyday people God. Like he loves to spend time with his people. He loves when people spend time with him, especially if you're Norse pagan. If you're new to this faith and you are Norse pagan, reach out to Thor. He, nine times out of ten, I guarantee you, he's going to be excited that you're reaching out to him, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, because he's a God of the people and you're his people. He's really going to enjoy that. 
more so than a lot of the other gods would like. You know, Jacob and Caleb, both of y'all can attest to this. Uh, maybe even you, Ian, a little bit working with Hale so much. Whenever you give an offer into uh, Odin or you try to reach out to Odin or Hale, maybe they're not available all the time. Nine times out of ten, when I reach out to Thor, he's usually hits me back up immediately unless it's in the winter but other than that you know he's pretty available well i think a big thing is too like kind of what you were saying is they both of them cover aspects of everyday life to some degree you know they are they are the deities that would understand the every day-to-day potential problems and issues and and just life that we you know that we experience it because that is essentially what they're about you know we have thor as the as the god of the hearth i mean of the home you know he is a father he is a husband he you know he you know he's a, the uh god of the people like what you were saying shared you know so it, i feel like they have more to offer in the every day-to-day things. And I, like what Jacob was saying, a lot of people want to skip through the every day-to-day norm of, of the practice and jump into the deeper, more mysterious, you know, the taboo of the taboo kind of a thing. And honestly, it can be really humbling just to take a step back and make an offering to Frere or to Thor and just remember that they're, sometimes the simple things in life tend to be the best and you don't have to necessarily do some deep diving things to get answers that you're looking for. Sometimes they can be right there in front of you and it could be something as easy as reaching out to Thor or Frere and they'd be like, Hey, this is what it is this whole time. You're just making more of it. As far as the, uh, the accessibility, I guess that's a good word for it, um, of both uh, Thor and Frere. 100% 100% agree with everything that y'all are saying because everybody knows that I'm I'm a really big Odin guy. And I've just, uh, I know I was talking several episodes back about going through that, the hard patch or like the rough patch or, or spiritual drought. I don't remember exactly how, what I called it in the past. Um, but after going out and doing what I did um, out in Red River Gorge, uh, like come to I finally realize like, the the Vonir specifically and Thor when I, like when I can connect with him because I don't know why this year it's been more difficult for me to connect to him than it has been the Vonir. I guess this is part of like how I need to develop right now as far uh, spiritually. But uh, Odin is, is very difficult for me to connect with and to give offerings to, especially this time of year. I don't know what it has to do. I don't know if it has to do with like the heat or what. But I know when it gets to the fall and to the winter, it's just it's a lot easier for me to connect to, I guess, that darker side of the energy or um, I guess like the magic that I'm used to, to messing around with between the beast and everything else. But Freyr has been very helpful this year, especially uh, anytime that I went out and gate tried to give an offering to him, he's I can get a hold of him every single time. So as far as. Um, I don't know what is with me today. I keep losing my train of thought. Um, I got something I can add onto that a little bit. Um, So this may sound like an ego boost thing at first, but when I say something really wise or really mystical and people go like, wow, that's really, that's really like, I can't believe you thought about that. I'm like, yeah, I just came up with it on the spot because a lot of the times when I have a conversation with somebody about the faith, I have revelations while I'm talking to people. Like literally Ian and I were playing video games before this and we were talking about what we wanted to talk about in this episode. And I said, you know, this last year, I've been working mostly with Freya. And last year I worked with, um, the year before that I worked mostly with Odin. And I think that it's important to go through an entire cycle with one deity because you can see how they change based on the season you're in. Um, and because, you know, especially if you, I mean, hopefully live in a place that has rotating seasons. I mean, unless you're in certain places that don't. Um, but I think it's important to see, you know, especially like Freyr, like, I mean, shoot, the majority of our deities are nature-based. And so to see how their nature changes 
when it's cold outside, when it's snowing, seeing how it changes when it's hot, when it's sweaty, um, but also when it's beautiful, I think is really important to understanding the complexity of every deity. And, you know, if we have, I mean, I can't even say off the top of my head, I mean, we have a ton of deities, but as far as like knowledge base, um, you know, we probably have 20 in the solid core group. And, you know, that's 20 years right there if you do a deity a year. Now, that's not closing you off from other deities. I mean, I just made a Balder video and had an amazing Balder experience for the first time. Never had one before. And, you know, but, you know, for the most part, I'm still focusing on Freya this year. And it's been curious to see how that relationship has changed um, throughout the seasons. Um, so I think, you know, a good recommendation is if you're getting to this faith for the first time, you're really looking for that first connection. Focus on Thor for one year. Focus on Freya, Freya for one year. And then after a couple of years, after three years, maybe do Odin a third year. And then, then maybe you can be like, okay, I'm going to start digging into something a little bit more deep. You know, but for those first couple of years, why not take those baby steps? Why not enjoy those meat and potatoes? Our analogies are getting just more and more food-based, I feel like. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, that, I mean, you said before as well, I mean, we've, each of us as individuals have probably told people to take your time with things countless amounts of times. We've said it countless amounts of times on the podcast. You know, I've said it's multiple people, groups, whatever, you know, many, many times over. And yeah, I, I, honestly, one of the first things that I will recommend if somebody is looking to make their first offering and they have no idea who to make an offering to, Thor is, is usually the first person I think of, actually, that I would recommend. Actually, yeah, every time. Every time I, I would have recommended Thor because he is a very approachable deity to make an offering to. And I, to some degree, I think people do get a little disappointed in in necessarily hearing that because they, again they think everybody you know thor is very a common household name you know amongst norse pagans i would feel like um but again it's those damn pagan know, hipsters man they just want to be hipsters yeah 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 exactly like you, you're not going to make your first offering to uh how who did, had somebody asked me about no i think it was mimir actually um a friend of theirs was looking to make their first offering. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. Who are they making an offering to? And they were like, oh, uh, they want to make their first offering to Mimir. I was like, what? Like, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't attempt something like that. I wouldn't even think of something of making an offering to Mimir. Like, you know, especially going like starting out, that's just, that's a lot. You know, and I don't know what you just need to grow and starting with Thor, who I feel like you're going to get, you know, a relatively immediate reaction from or uh, some sense of of a, of a feeling or anything. You basically get something from working with Thor, I feel like, at least in my experience. I know, sure, you've, you know, I've seen it. You post videos and stuff. You offer this man a, a, a shiner and it's, uh, you know, also it's torrential downpour and stuff where you're at and the thunder comes in. It's just like what <laughs> so it's it's things like that you know you, you i feel like the people that are looking to get that immediate like reaction to an offering you know if you that's what you're looking for at least starting out like thor prayer are good ones to start working with and i mean my me myself i've never really worked with with prayer up until oh back in i didn't really start getting hit with the the idea of working with him up until this past February, February or March, I want to say is when it was. Um, it was one of the, the gatherings in Kentucky. I can't remember which one or what that time frame was. But basically, like, I got hit with a lot of Vonnier vibes, and prayer was the one that stuck out the most. So, you know, and even then, like, I had never really even worked with him up until recently. So it's, it's kind of nice to, like what Jacob was saying, take change it up a bit and, and work with a deity for an extended period of time and really kind of develop that relationship with them. So one thing I did want to add uh, just briefly while I was thinking about it is um, how to look at a relationship with a deity. Um, because I do think, you know, in a way by for asking for things is not necessarily the best way to go about it. Um, you know, I think like 
in a way, I think it's like rebalancing yourself with nature, with the natural cycles of everything. And again, I think Frere and Thor are really great deities for this because the first thing you need to do when you've lived a life in our modern age, looking at, you know, scrolling screens all the time is reconnect with nature. And so I think if you go into this faith without that connection to nature, without that decompression and, you know, the removal of the really acidic thoughts that we have in our heads all the time nowadays, you're not going to have as strong as a connection. Now, this isn't universal, of course, but I do think it's something that does get in the way of a lot of people when they first get into this path is they, you know, don't allow themselves to completely blend in with the idea of what it is to be pagan. So I do think Frere and Thor are really great deities to fall back into that natural balance of the world. I would agree, uh, especially like like you said, when you come back or going into paganism for the first time or even nature itself for the first time, um, how good does it feel when that first rain comes in in the rain season and you, you just go out into it because you haven't seen it in a half a year since the winter? You know, that's the type of things we're talking about, you know, just experiencing that weather and experiencing that nature and how it feels your body feels and reacts when you go into it to me there's nothing like a good thunderstorm whenever you you know you give an offering to thor or even if you don't give an offering to thor just thunders and pours rain nothing beats just standing in that weather and feeling that electric energy charging around you yeah i, I mean kind of like what you going off of both of what you were just saying um you know we we have this we're connected more to the unnatural things of technology that you know are so common for us that once you step out into nature itself and start to get into a state of of balance you feel amazing you know like for example uh we've been getting a lot of thunderstorms here recently in new mexico which is pretty surprising usually it's been pretty really dry this time last year uh it was there was essentially no rain. It was extremely hot. You know, my all the grass, anything green basically was just scorched and dried up and dead. It was gone. My backyard was turned into a mud pit because all the grass was gone. Uh, but this year we've been getting tremendous amounts of rain, tremendous amounts of thunderstorms. And, you know, every time I start hearing that thunder roll in, I'll turn like all the lights off in my house. I'll disconnect from, you know, technology and just sit there and just listen to it and just enjoy that raw natural power that is coming through and, and just in a way reconnect, you know, so I'll run out there and in my backyard and, you know, stick my head under the rainwater, especially when it's really coming down. And it just feels so much better. I, I feel better too. I feel just revitalized and so much more alive in something like that than if I was to, you know, just not connect to nature in a sense or connect to one of these deities. You know, every time I see that thunder come in, you know, I'll I'll say a little something for Thor every time. You know, light rains. I'll say something to, uh, you know, either Sif or Freyr. You know, it's just one of those things that it's starting to become such a a natural habit for me to do whenever you know something like that comes in and it's just nice it just feels good i immediately feel either uplifted or just energized whether it's thunderstorms or just gentle rains this might be just slightly off topic from what we're doing but i'm going to try to tie it back in um but one thing that i've that has amazed me ever since going down the path uh, the path of paganism is just how much more I've actually became uh, just started appreciating just a nice sunny day because <laughs> I know that anybody else like that's like me from the south. I'm so sure you've had the the same issue. It's just hot outside and there's no shade and it just sucks. But I don't complain about it nowhere near as much as I used to. And especially this year after working with Frere. It's just one more thing. It's like I, pre I, I appreciate it not just because it's, you know, it's something nice and enjoyable, um, but it without the sun and without the heat and every, you know, all the little variables that go into it, you can't have things grow. You can't have, you know, all these, you know, the great crops that we need so we can actually eat and live and thrive and everything else. So just a little thought that came to me. I just wanted to throw that out there. 
Well, that's one of the, you know, coming from someone that's in Germany right now, um, I am enjoying the ever living heck out of the weather in the sense that um, it doesn't get hot here very often. Now it sucks when I don't have AC, but like the last two weeks has been below 65 degrees every single day here. Um, and there's basically no humidity, but at the same time, they have far less crops here. And that's one of the reasons that people had to go to the United States, go to North America in the first place is because you can't grow that many crops here in uh, Europe in general. Like for the most part, if it's winter, they don't have much produce. I mean, I've heard from people here that in the winter time, good luck getting produce. Like it's almost impossible. So you have to kind of almost stock up in a way, um, unless you're willing to pay exuberant amounts of money. But honestly, as, as someone that's grown up in the United States, this is unheard of. Like I go to Kroger and, you know, January 3rd during a blizzard and go get myself some corn on the cob, you know, and that's something that as an American, I'm so used to, but you know, mo most other places in the world, that is a taboo. So our price for, you know, all that produce is it's human. I mean, humidity is one of the reasons we're able to grow such great crops is because we have a very moist environment. Um, and every, there is so much, you know, rain all the time. I mean, Kentucky is one of the rainiest places in the States. I think Lexington, where I'm from, um, gets just as much rain as Seattle. And we have, you know, endless fields of crops in that area. And, you know, it's something to really, just like, you know, Baker just said, um, you know, it sucks to have hot days. It sucks to walk out to 90% humidity with 95 heat, you know, but at the same time, you have to reflect and realize what, what are we getting in return? And we're getting one of the best growing, you know, agriculture plots of land in the entire world. And that is something to, you know, truly respect. You know, when you're sitting there like sweating your balls off, think, you know what, this is a good thing. <laughs> and, and then like, and, and savor it, you know, as much as you can. <laughs> I don't know, here in Texas, it's been creeping up to the hundreds. Uh, but no, like, I agree with both of those statements. You go in, especially here in East Texas, uh, Ian, I remember you talking about how you've never seen that many trees in a long time since you've been over there in the desert. Uh, but to be able to go and like, I remember being a logger and we go through and we cut a first stand down like 15, 20 years ago, maybe. And then you go back through and you see it and you see the growth of the trees in the timber. And then you just remember that track, but you see the difference in the trees. It's just simply amazing at how the process of nature works and how, you know, you can sit there and you look at, at that and you can connect to Thor or Frey you know, who are gods of the harvest and gods of the field. And you can thank them for that, you know, because that's a big thing we need is timber crops and all these things that we have. And without these deities helping us, like they help make it grow. I just had an epiphany. So let me roll with this for a second, because I've been researching into um, one of my recent studies, just because I'm here in Germany, is the inner relation, interpersonal relationships and, you know, strategic war relationships between, Ro you know, ancient Rome and the Gallic people and the Celts and the Germans, because it's, you know, the, Bavaria, I mean, I'm very Southern Germany right now. So there was a lot of Roman conflict here. Um, I actually saw my first Roman ruins today, um, which was actually really cool, even though they're not very impressive looking because they're old, but also it was cool at the same time. But the thing that I find really interesting is the way deities have changed over the last few thousand years. Um, because, you know, the only people to really write about, you know, the Celtic, Germanic, I mean, really not even the Nordic deities, really just the Germanic, uh, were the Romans. Um, without what the Romans wrote down, we wouldn't know hardly anything before Snorri started writing things down. And, you know, phew, that would be awful if that was all the information we had. But luckily, the Romans did record quite thoroughly what the Germanic people were doing, at least from their perspective. And Frere was hardly ever mentioned. I mean, a fertility deity, an agriculture deity, not really important to them because they weren't agricultural at that time. They were still semi-hunter gatherers. Like they did grow some crops, but at the same time, they weren't to the point where they had mass farming yet. And so to them, the gods that were most important were gods of war, um, were, you know, gods of the hunt the, um, and gods of like law. And like, you know, because there were so many petty kingdoms in Germany. So like the, you know, the leaders would constantly worship these deities they think would give them leadership prowess. And so I think 
think that's one of the reasons we see tier fall off is because when the shift came to like an agriculture lifestyle, you needed less of these like hard fisted rulers. And so I think you see people like tier begin to fall off and gods like Frere begin to rise up. And additionally, since um, Snorri, Snorri's time of writing was later in the Viking age, and I mean, really the end of Northern paganism, um, at least in the, in the medieval world. And you see more stories written about Thor, see more stories written about Frere. And it's because at that time they were more agricultural. So, you know, I saw a quote in the book I was reading today. It's like, we have 200,000 years of human history and we barely know what's happened in the last five. And especially when it comes to the gods, like, and what gods people followed. I mean, we really don't even know what people were following 10,000 years ago. We can guess, but at the same time, like, especially Europe, it's like, we don't know. We just know that they probably followed something similar to what eventually became the Germanic deities. Uh, but definitely, I, I, I would say deities that were agriculture-based were not very prominent until later, until later into lifespans. Definitely, yeah, I can agree with that. Especially like if we go back and look at like the earliest forms of gods, we'd have to look at cave paintings and then guess, because you know they, that's all they were. They were hunter and gatherers. They they didn't know how to farm or or do any of that nature. And the Romans are how we know about a lot about everything from uh, Judea to Egypt to you know because they recorded Tacitus himself recorded things that happened in Judea and Germania. So without the Romans' influence, we definitely wouldn't know a lot of what we know today. Yeah, I think like kind of going on to like the, the shift in the gods, you know, like the rise and fall of, you know, popularity, so to speak, as far as who was worshipped a little bit more in time frames, um, and just the change in, in the way that humans were at that time. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there with the agricultural thing. You know, that was a big reason why, uh, you know, Primarily, uh, Scandinavian people from Norway went and started exploring and, you know, discovering England and moving more towards like Central Europe is because Norway is brutal. Norway is not the, a good uh, growing place for crops at all. You know, I think your growing season's what, like two months? <laughs> yeah, essentially it is. Yeah, you know, Sweden, like then their neighbors next door, Sweden is, you know, far better off. And so, you know, there you had issues with that where, you know, you have the kingdoms of Norway and Sweden fighting each other to some degree because Norwegians wanted what the Swedes have. But, you know, because they essentially had better crops and better growing, they had, in a way, a better lifestyle and healthier people. So, you know, uh, the Norwegians eventually were like, all right, cool, we need to get, we need that, we need better growing soil. So when eventually when they discovered England and some of the more central European countries that were better than what they had, and even that compared to like what you were saying earlier, Jacob, to the like stuff that we have in the US still doesn't even really compare, but it was still better. Uh, so yeah, you have like a, almost like a blending of that, I don't want to say war necessarily, because like Vikings weren't necessarily just, or like the Norse people, weren't just Vikings, they weren't just raiders, they were primarily farmers, and they basically did, you know, raid places because they needed a foothold to grow places, but that wasn't their intention. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there's some of that, uh, that's a word that I'm looking for, like a... Transitional period? uh yeah that, and then i don't like, really know just, really what your thought process is right now yeah i'm losing my thought process too i've got some weird noises in my head i have now, so i have more go back to the stairs <laughs> yeah what's the next step <laughs> take a step back yeah, thanks, man, <laughs> uh, well one thing I, I can add just as like a fun history tip but again i'm reading this like four thousand page book on celtic history and it's insane how much detail there is but one of the things i found really interesting is because of their lack of like knowledge when it came to agriculture um the like frankish celts at the time are, they weren't the gauls i forget they were called i always lose track of all the different like subspecies of celts and goths and visigoths and all that stuff but um the, the essentially the franks like whoever the franks were at the time um who were the celts uh they needed to split up because there was too many of them um, like the king at the time, who was acclaimed to be the king of all Celts, 
but he wasn't like there no one was ever the king of all the Celts. Um, he had two sons and he was like, look, our population is too big. Like you need to take like 10,000 people and go somewhere else. And so he sent both of his sons in two different directions to go migrate. Uh, one ended up going all the way down to uh, Bohemia and migrating there. And the other one ended up going over the Alps and actually was the first group to sack Rome um, and raided Rome. And so like their population, you know, eventually, I mean, was pretty large at one point. They really, they literally could not hold based on their food. Um, you know, and eventually that would become their downfall as, you know, better, you know, implements came from the South. Um, but it is interesting to see that this, what I would call a transitional relationship with the deities is they really did require war to some extent, raiding to some extent, um, and migration to some extent. So, you know, the deities would have been quite different for them. I believe the Franks were the people that one day, you know, established France. Right, but I don't know if they were the Franks beforehand. I think they were like I thought. Were they the Visigoths? They yeah, the Visigoths were the first people to sack Rome. So, well, they were the, the Visigoth- ones that finished Rome. They weren't the first ones, though. I don't think. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, other than the Mongols, I mean, when the Mongols came down, Rome catered to them because they were just trying to completely them. wipe out of. I'm I'm off topic, but this is history. Yeah. Sorry, y'all got me thinking now. I think like between the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths, they they kind of came from like they kind of came from not central Germany, but like it was like that area in Poland, well, Aust- right, like, between right. Austria, Germany, and like Poland. They came from right, that area. I want to say they were north of Italy, and then when the Mongols came down, they pushed them down to Rome because they were mm. just so devastating. No forces as good as the Mongols. Like they just were an impressive military might and even Rome recognized that please it's had a lot of horses well with enough cavalry man I guess and you know what everybody else's foot soldiers doesn't really matter but we're all and arrows someone talk <laughs> about Frere Thor while I look up this Celtic stuff now because I'm I'm thinking about it <laughs> Yeah, well, we all want to know the answer to this. Thing. Oh, here we okay, go. Uh, so sure, sure. Not, God. Uh, right, uh, sure. Um, <laughs> I do have a question for you because I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I was thinking that we do make a lot of videos for beginners in this path, but just on the end of this episode, where are you as someone who's been following Thor for a while? Like, where are you wanting to take your direction a little bit? Like, if you performed a Thor ritual tomorrow, you know, for 10 people, what would you do? You know, what kind of things would you pull into your ritual to show that that growth that you've had? So if I was to do a ritual for Thor, I would want to include all 10 as much as possible. Because like I said to me, he is a god of the heart. He's a god of the people. And the more people that you can include in that ritual, I think the more it would benefit and the more Thor would enjoy it. I honestly would probably go back to like what we had at the fall gathering. And to me, that was one of the best, like I think, Thor rituals you could have. It was something that genuinely everybody thought about, put care into, and sent Thor off, so to speak, to Jotunheim. And I think he really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think like having been uh, the person, you know, on the receiving end of that uh, that ritual, it was, you know, it was very energetic. Like you were very energetic. It was very, you know, uh, strong in the sense of of. Uh, I'm just at a loss for words today. Um, wow. Yeah. I'm I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, you're not. Words are, are a struggle today. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was it was just it was powerful. It was a very powerful experience to have that send-off into into feel connected Thor. Because I've never really been that connected to Thor in at least the way that you are, sure. So to actually be part of a Thor's bloat and be on the receiving end of it and not, you know, if if I had been put in charge of trying to do a Thor's bloat, I don't think it would have been as energetic or as, uh, you know, it just wouldn't have been the way that it turned out to be uh, just because I don't have that necessarily that connection. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm just rambling on at this point. Yeah, no, I, I words you. are Words are just... <laughs> yeah, no, but... To me, that's that's what makes the Thor's blood is the Thor's blood is, is you, the person. Even like when you're giving an offering to Thor, you're, you know, people ask me all the time, oh, sure, what's what's really good offering to give the Thor? And I tell them anything. Like he 
as long as you're giving him time, he doesn't care because he's a God of the people. He cares about whatever you care about. He's into whatever you want, you're into. Just talk to him, spend time with him. And those literally the best offerings you can give him, you know, because when we look at Thor and we see his stories and his traveling, often he goes through Midgard first before he goes through any other place to travel to. I mean, he took a farmer's son him, with him and Loki to go to Jotunheim. So he, you know, we're his favorite place to be at other than Asgard. And he's our, our chosen God. Like he's a protector of our realm. He's a protector of Midgard. And to me, that speaks volumes because it means he really does care about the humans on Midgard. All right. So I just had, I had a thing come to me about, since we're talking like, or the, the, the question was about like rituals uh, for Thor. But I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast um, yet, just because that gathering was two weeks ago. But the, uh, the North Central Midsummer, we had a, a, a Thor's bloat. And then after that, everybody just wanted to start, but rest basically as like a, a feat of strength or a show of strength uh, for Thor. And it was a really awesome thing. The rain held off just long enough for us to finish. As soon as we got done uh, fighting, it just started downpouring, and it was really cool. And I had the idea after that. It's like it'd be really awesome to do like a um, uh, like a Highland game sort of thing. I don't know what else to call it other than that. But basically, just you have these different feats of strength and activities that you would do like that. And you know, you may have a victory at the end of it, or, or whatever. You know, depends on how you want to set it up. But just dedicate that whole thing to Thor. You know, I, everything is in honor of him and, um, you know, for his glory, more or less. Right. And I can attest to that as well. Uh, my brother's first moments, if you remember the podcast we did with him, uh, that was how he really felt the gods. And even then, like, if he's not, if he needs strength or he's not feeling well, he'll give an offering to Thor in the woods. And then, like, the war answer and, nine times out of ten he feels rejuvenated or it rains one of the two uh but you know after we wrestled that first time and really connected and it just the thunder i remember the thunder just booming across the sky and rain fell immediately after we called it a tie and that was just one of the best moments i've honestly ever had with thor because i got to share it with my younger brother all right so first point I couldn't find the name of the first group of Celts that sacked Rome. Um, all it says here in this book is in nine, uh, 390 BC, an army of Celts from north of the Alps defeated the Romans besides the Alia Brook, a, a tributary of the Tiber close to Rome. The next day, the Celts walked into Rome itself and essentially were like bribed to leave Rome. You know, they got all the way to the Citadel and were given like a thousand pounds of gold or something like that, or a thousand pieces of gold and told to leave. Um, so I couldn't find like the actual name. They were just called the Celts um they probably didn't have a name but um one of the things i i kind of wanted to spur the conversation with and i'm glad we started talking about the physicality of thor um is if you know diving deeper into these deities um you know not just surface level stuff and that's again what i really want to encourage people to do especially if it's they're getting to this faith is you know thor and Freyr are not just surface level they're not just thunder they're not just fertility look deeply into those aspects and really start exploring it thor is a war god he is a warrior um, he's also a god of sports in you know, some degree, you know, you could say like wrestling or strength-based games. I think if you wanted to really connect with them, especially at like a gathering or anything like that, you know, have wrestling. Um, that's something we did at the uh, North Carolina gathering in January. Um, Caleb, you were at that one, right? Baker? Yeah, y'all were doing those like... Uh... Yeah, we're basically doing like the uh, like the, the mock battles or like the mock fights. Yeah, yeah, like someone brought some fake swords and stuff like that, and we were fighting with those, but we were also doing like switching between that and wrestling. Um, you know, and it's like that was really, you know, it's not like you're sitting there like, you know, actively connecting to Thor, but like the act of it makes you feel more connected. And I'm, I suppose you could even sit there before a wrestling match and be like, I dedicate this match to Thor, you know, may the best man win. And I think also like we've, we've had slight versions of this i'd like to see them expanded as we've had flighting at gatherings before where people flight each other i think you have to be careful you have to get two people that aren't going to get hurt you know with their emotions but i think having drinking and flighting together i think is another great way to connect with thor i mean harvard's the old is basically one giant flight 
Um, and you know, I, I, that's something I recommended to Keenan for the midsummer gathering you guys are about to have the end of this month is, um, to bring in that flighting aspect for his Thor ritual. And I think that'll be really powerful. Um, and you know, Frere's, you know, another thing, you know, don't just look at the rain, don't look at the fertility, you know, look at the aspects of being a good man. I know this is something that Parker brings up all the time is, you know, embodying positive masculinity you know Frere doesn't come off at least within the Eddas or really from most people that follow Frere as like you know the macho bro he's not just like oh bro like you gotta do this bro like no he's you know I would say a very positive image for masculinity you know being a gentleman you know treating you know your your spouse right treating your family right treating you know your employees right you know be that gentleman um, you know, probably not necessarily a, a British gentleman, but like still a good man. And so I think, you know, instilling those things, um, you know, cook, cook for your spouse, you know, take out the trash, do more chores, you know, help with the house, fix something, you know, take, you know, be a master of your own household. These are all deeper level things that I definitely feel like we're losing in this modern society is people you know, don't want to take care of their house. They don't want to be a master of their own living space. They pay for a maid to clean their house. They pay for someone to deliver food to their house. Um, you know, they're no longer masters of their own universe. So, you know, become that master of your household once again, um, you know, and I think that in itself will not just honor Frere, but help you feel closer to him. It feels like to me, you're just talking about a good old boy. That's what we call him in the South. A what? A good old boy. Yeah, country boy. Picking up where uh, where Jacob left off with the uh, you know going into the deeper, but you know under the surface level of everything, especially like Frere. Um, I've had a lot of experience with him this year, and yes, at kids, this is PG thirteen where I'm going to talk about sex, but not the birds and the bees and all that. Oh shit! <laughs> but especially when you're married, uh, it can be you can teach you a lot or he can you can have a lot of really good experiences as far as um being a uh, being a better lover and being intimacy give your yeah give your partner more pleasure and everything like that um obviously you know there are the there's the fertile aspects as well because don't play around with the fertility god if you don't want to get pregnant just go and throw that out there so you can't say i didn't say it so and mark it down <laughs> yeah july 11th caleb baker said don't mess around with fertility deities <laughs> if you don't want to get pregnant <laughs> good rule of thumb kids <laughs> definitely and, and even to the that aspect you can even throw thor in there because he's a husband as well you know i'm sure he could teach you how to how to be a real good like lover not so much for the intimacy aspect but like treating wise like jacob was talking about earlier on how to be a man's man and like really show your love for your wife and your children so let me tell you something about really gross that happened to me today not necessarily to me it's just something i witnessed um so while on the way on our like adventure to the castle this morning um we got into the subway to go and it was like 6 30 in the morning we're on the subway and we both look up and we see this old guy and he has his phone like up in the air like not even hiding it and he is watching porn on the subway like and this guy is like probably 50 60 you know he doesn't look homeless or anything he just looks like an old guy and he's sitting there just hardcore watching porn like i don't know what he's doing with the other hand but he is just watching porn on the subway and there was more people on the subway than just me and her um and you know i we ended up talking about it later i'm like this is the problem is that that guy crossed the line of about 20 different ethical things to do that. Like I would have to break through so many personal barriers to make me do that on a subway. Like what, to what point in your life do you think it's okay to flip open your phone and watch porn on a subway? Like personally, you know, I, I won't get into my anti-porn tirade. It's not, you know, why I do this podcast, but I'm, I'm very anti-porn. I think it's very dangerous to young men. Um, I think it's dangerous to anyone really. I think, you know, having that much, that easy of access to something so sacred, I think is damaging our society, but I don't want, I, don't, I won't go down that road too much. Um, but not only that you're watching porn, but you're watching porn in a public place. Um, you're not hiding it. You're not even ashamed of it. 
you're just blatantly like, oh, it's okay. I don't care if the world knows, you know? So, you know, you're not embarrassed. You have no honor. Like you have no morals. You don't care if a child sees that. So you don't care about these things. And it's like, this is what happens. I think when you strip away, um, you know, faith and mythology and stories is, you know, that guy clearly isn't a Frere follower. A Frere follower would never watch porn on the subway. I don't think a Frere follower would actually even watch porn in the first place. I know a Thor follower would definitely never, you know, watch porn on the subway. He'd probably come over to the guy and smack his phone out of his hand. You know, so I think, you know, this is a, a, a horrible example of, you know, he's definitely not pagan. But to me, you know, if you follow the gods and you, you go to those deeper aspects, it eventually just gives you that backbone in a way, you know, I'm not saying, you know, if you see my videos, I'm not a ripped dude. I barely, you know, I'm like an average looking guy. I am a fucking hobbit. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care about getting swole, bro. Like it's not what I care about, but I care about being a good man. And, you know, I think anyone can really attach to that. Definitely. I mean, maybe this is because we are Americans, but that's not the American character that we, you know, kind of grew up idolizing the American dream, whatever you want to say. And I know that like you could not be popular nowadays to not want to be an American or whatever. And, but, you know, being an American is amazing and having that structure and that foundation of having some honor and then it being reinforced and reinvigorated by paganism would you know that aspect changes when you look at that situation you know i mean that's just how i view it because to me that guy had no character and like you said no honor and no shame apparently i feel like a good part like good moral of that story too is just the self-respect aspect you know i feel like both Frere and and thor have a a very high level of self-respect in the sense that you know, it, it influences a lot of what they do and how they treat other people. I feel like those who have a lot of self-respect for themselves will treat others with a, you know, a, that same sense or at least a, a decency, um, you know, that they would expect for themselves. I mean, sure, there are things that, you know, if there are certain lines that are crossed, you know, in the stories, I mean, Thor with with the dressing up as a bride and wearing a dress, but I mean, he still did it, uh, you know, for a greater good in that sense, but like he still had that level of self-respect for himself where it was, you know, I would rather do this my way, but at the same time, I understand that I have to change it a little bit or step outside of my comfort zone to get ultimately what I needed or what I wanted that was Mjolnir, you know, in that case. But I feel like, both Frere and Thor are very good deities of a good sign of like strong self-respect as well. Because without that, you know, yeah, you could potentially end up like this dude on a busy subway train in the middle of, you know, on the hub. So like, I don't know. What was the German version of the hub? It was like porn vid or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I could read it. Like he was that close. Well, to kind of go off of what you were saying, like with the story with Thor and the bridesmaid, like he knew it would have been an attack on himself and his honor, but he also knew he needed Molnir to protect those that he loved and cared about. So it was more along the the lines of, I will suffer this this attack on me to protect those that I love and care about, and and that's a completely different conversation than the guy on the subway watching porn where a child could potentially go by and see and that just is not an okay it's this at all that's mentioned it was like very specifically like it looked like he was looking at like teen specific kind of stuff too and it's just like bro like that's that's some creepy stuff right there my dude like those people are like 30 years younger than you but that's a whole other story this is a great way to end the whole podcast <laughs> uh, what, what happened to the podcast <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> uh that's the beauty of a podcast man you never know where it's going to end up so hey kids don't end up with uh, if your number one goal out there in life kids is don't end up that creepy guy on a subway at 6 45 in the morning watching porn by yourself and having no shame that is your goal in life right now. Mark it down. Write it in your calendars. Don't be that guy or girl.
Would it be weird? At least, Honestly, at least it would it be like, more interesting thing if it was a girl. Like if there was just like an older woman sitting there shamelessly watching porn, like on the subway, I would almost be like, huh, like, I don't know to high five you or like, like I like I I really don't even know what to do in this situation. Like, are you okay? <laughs> I don't think you. I mean, it, I don't know how I would handle it, but it'd be it definitely be interesting. But I think women have more respect for themselves to do that. I can definitely see a man do that more so than a woman because women generally have a higher sense of self worth. They still have the sacred feminine deep down inside of us, whereas the men have lost the sacred masculine. So we didn't actually intend this to be a very male-heavy podcast. I mean, it's hard not to sometimes when there's four men on the podcast. Ugh, we really need a girl on here. Um, but at the same time, you know, I do think this is a very important topic. Um, and not only, I mean, it doesn't mean women can't connect with Thor. It doesn't mean they can't connect with Freyr. Typically, you know, though Freyr is more of the masculine deity, Freya being his literal twin and counterpart. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I do think it's best to stick with the, um, you know, the, the meat and potatoes, as we said in this podcast already. Um, don't dive into the deep end. Enjoy the kiddie pool for a bit because it can get kind of scary out there and you can burn yourself out and you can burn yourself really bad if you're not careful um, but i think we've kind of hit the nail on the head in this episode i hope everyone's enjoyed it hope you've enjoyed the candid conversation you now know that Jay, uh, the wisdom of odin is anti-porn put that on my political campaign slogan um, but i hope you all once again enjoyed this episode and if you're interested in being on the folk podcast or want to ask us a question please email us at the folk podcast at gmail.com not yahoo not hotmail gmail.com so once again thank you all very much and until the hall skull, skull.